Hey there, Ray of Light. Welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I'm one of your hosts, Angel. I'm the other host, Brandon, and this is your twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. But we are going to reach out into the far distance of our cosmic universe with our deep dive today into Mercury. Yes, just in time for the Mercury retrograde, get ready for another mini astrology lesson because we're going to be exploring the planet of communication and your mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, girl, get set. But before we get set and get wet, why don't we uh, introduce who the hell we are? Yeah, who are you? Who am I? I'm Brandon Alter. I'm a spiritual healer. I am a tarot reader and teacher, and I am also a writer. You are. And you're also an Aquarius. I am an Aquarius. That is very true. And it's about to be your birthday. It is about to be my birthday. By the time this episode comes out, it will have already been my birthday. But at the moment of this recording, we are getting very close to it. Mm-hmm. How do you feel? I feel pretty good. I was actually having a conversation with my friend today, and he was like, can you believe that we're 35? And I was like, actually, I I can. I feel like a 35-year-old man at this point. Mm. I feel like the last five years of my life have been really intense and I've taken a lot of responsibility for myself and I am finally feeling like an adult and 35 feels like an adult age. And we just kind of had a conversation about like, what does it mean to be an adult? Because there are like 17 year old adults and there are 70 year old children. Like age doesn't really make a difference about that. Yeah. And my working hypothesis is that to be an adult means that you are taking responsibility for your choices and for your life. And as a 35-year-old man, I feel like I've spent the last five years like taking responsibility for my healing, taking responsibility for my choices, stop blaming other people, stop blaming my past, and feeling more empowered. So on one hand, I'm like, yeah, I fucking feel great. And then on the other hand, like, you know, I'm a chart full of squares. And, you know, every year on my birthday, um, I feel into the fact that, you know, Saturn squares my son. So that's why sometimes my birthday can be like what I would call the birthday storm. Uh, and I can get like really depressed and like really angsty. But I feel like this year, because we're going to be out in the desert and we're going to be with some good friends and we're going to go. I'm hoping that the birthday storm is just like a light drizzle. Me too. Yeah, here's hoping, girl. I sure have weathered that birthday storm before. Who, child? Let's not talk about it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You think it's rough for you? Try living it. Try being in the middle of that storm, girl. girl. Try sitting across from it in a crowded, dark restaurant. Oh, shit. <laughs> Wait, was that? What birthday was that? I what don't dark remember. restaurant was that? Was that when we went to that? What was that place up in off Laurel Canyon? Pache. Oh, my gosh. Was that my birthday at Pache? It was. Oh, shit. <laughs> but we made it through the wilderness. Anybody who knows me knows about the birthday storm. But it was around my 30th birthday when I just kind of started taking responsibility. Saturn, right? I took responsibility for my birthday. Mm-hmm. I was like, here's how I'm going to celebrate it. I'm in control. And usually things have gone pretty well. So, Yeah, well, you also didn't celebrate your birthday that much when I first met you. And now you celebrate it in pretty big fashion most of the time. Well, I think that's the thing about Saturn, right? It's like if you work your Saturn, it's great. And if you hide from your Saturn, it's a massacre. So yeah, I work my birthday. I'm working it a lot. Nice. Um, but this became a check-in, and you still haven't even introduced yourself. <laughs> Hi. Uh, I'm Angel Lopez. I am a film producer and a writer and an astrologer. Yes. And I'm a 42-year-old man, so definitely an adult. Yeah, but you look like a 28-year-old man, so it's fine. Mm, I think I look more like 35, but <laughs> but I'll even take that. Yeah, I mean... 
but thank you. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Why don't you check in since I've already been talking a lot? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I'm feeling pretty emotional as fuck, uh, if I may say so. That's fair. Moon's in Scorpio right now. Yeah, but I was feeling emotional as fuck when the moon was in Virgo and Libra as well. Well, that full moon in Leo <laughs> fucked everybody up. Let's be real. Yeah. I, honestly, the full moon day was pretty fine for me. It was kind of like the weekend was kind of exhilarating. And then it was just like this week has just been so crazy. But uh, I am definitely just trying to stay balanced through everything I have going on right now. I was saying to someone the other day that like, I just feel like every single area of my life is on fire. And that doesn't mean like in a, you know, terrible way, you know, the, the fire of passion can be ignited, but then also some of them feel like brush fires. <laughs> Everything's lit up, huh? Everything feels lit up. So I am just trying to navigate them all with some grace. Well, maybe this Mercury retrograde will be a blessing because it will slow some things down. That's what I'm hoping for, yeah. for sure. I could use just like a little, honestly, what I could really use is a little bit of solitude. I don't feel like I've gotten much of that lately. Um, I could use some quiet. Well, we're going out to the desert and you can sneak away by yourself for some time. Yeah. How are you? Well, I feel like I've already... That's true. <laughs> kind of talked about myself. So I don't really know if there's anything else I want to share. I think what we should share, though, is that we are, well, as when this podcast comes out, we will have opened up registration for our big Tarot and Cosmos 2020 class. I'm so excited about this class, you guys. Me too. I can't even tell you. You know, I have Jupiter and Aquarius, which means that I, you know, am supposed to be a teacher and I've been teaching for a long time. But there's something about this online class and starting to just develop the notes that every student's going to get. Um, and they're really extensive because I have Mercury and Aquarius <laughs> as well. So it's a lot. Uh, but I'm just so excited to be offering this information and to be creating this like weekly sanctuary. Um, I've taken quite a lot of online classes, some that were really successful and some that weren't. And that's given me a lot of insight into like how to really structure a class that's not just about the information, but about the healing and the transmission of energy that can happen and the community that's built around it. And that's really what this class is going to be. You're going to learn a shit ton, but you're also going to connect and heal and have a lot of fun. So if you've been thinking about it, I highly encourage you to register. There's plenty of spaces, but there are limited spaces um, because I don't want it to be so overwhelming. Um, you know, I imagine if we're all sitting in a circle, we all want to be able to, you know, basically see each other. So mm -hmm. um, I don't have like a hard cap, but suffice to say that like it's probably not going to be open to more than like 40 or 50 people. Yeah. You can find all of that information on our new website. Yes, our gorgeous new website that I am, Brandon built. I built it. I am not a web designer, but I am an Aquarius. So I just took that technology bull by the horns and yeah. spent two weeks building that website. So take a look around. Tell me what you like. Tell me what's not working, please. Tell me if there's any typos. I really tried, but let me know. It's still a work in progress. But... um. You can go to the website. There's a link for Tarot and Cosmos. You can check out the whole syllabus. I literally wrote out everything about all 11 weeks. And there's the sign-up link, and you can just pay online. And there's um, one option where you can pay all at once, or there's also a payment plan option where you can break it down into three payments because I understand that for some people, you know, $297 is a lot of money. So we broke it down, um, and it's three payments of $105 that um, 
take you basically to the end of the class. And I should also just say, while we're talking about things that we're doing, is um, when you sign up for Tarot and Cosmos, you'll get access to the monthly webinars that we're going to start doing for free. Um, but everybody who listens to this podcast is going to get the first webinar for free. So that's going to be the New Moon in Pisces webinar. And you'll find a link to that on the website as well. And if you click that link, you'll be taken to the scheduling page. And the coupon code for this one, you guys, is Pisces Season. <laughs> it's really simple. All caps. If you put in Pisces Season, you will be automatically signed up. And then we will send you the link to the webinar, which is going to happen on Monday, February 24th at 5 p.m. And the reason why we're giving this away is because it's our first one and Mercury is going to be retrograde and it could be a total technological <laughs> clusterfuck. Totally. So we just want to get one under our belts and we'll see how it goes. And then moving forwards, there'll be just $22. And if you can't join live, that's not a problem because you will be sent the link um, within 24 hours so that you can watch at your leisure. Yeah, but we'll just be talking about the Pisces new moon and different rituals or affirmations you can do around it. And we'll also be talking just about everything that's upcoming in Pisces season astrologically so that you can really be aware and prepared for everything that's coming up in that season. Exactly. These are like uh, really uh, extensive and interactive cosmic updates for the astrological season ahead. So we'll talk about the full moon in Virgo because that's going to be happening in Pisces season. And we'll field your questions. And these will, you know, run about two hours or so. So it's going to be 5 to 7 p.m. This is Pacific Standard Time. So hopefully our East Coast people can get in on it if they want to. And, um, you know, all of our gorgeous friends in Australia, unfortunately... Uh, you'll have to listen to the recording. Yeah, or maybe your night owls. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> or early morning babies. Early morning I really, babies. I have to figure out the time exchange. I'm really sorry, everybody. Yeah, I think it actually doesn't work out so terribly. But Got it. Again, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but we hope to see you all. Uh, Pisces season and the webinars, they're going to be capped at 100 people. Um, so if you want to be a part of this first one, then you want to be one of the first 100 people to go in and sign up with the coupon code Pisces season, all caps. All right, cool. Well, uh, like we mentioned at the top, we're going to be getting into Mercury. But before we do that, we thought we'd just, you know, shuffle over to the uh, dock and get onto the high seas for a little dose, dose of, of reality. reality. All right, y'all. So. Those high seas are very choppy. Girl, they're high. Because... Tensions are high, waters yes. are high, emotions <laughs> are high. Misogyny is high on those high seas. Yes, the Below Deck Reunion Part 1 aired. Uh, so that means, yeah, we got to the end of the this season of Below Deck, which was a total shit show. Oh my god, what a roller coaster of emotions and fun. Yeah, but it also just... It kind of got to a point where I just felt dirty because <laughs> everyone on it was just slinging mud at each other's faces. Yeah, but it was a really interesting exploration into just like how dark people can get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you're trapped on a small boat for any extended period of time, your shadow comes out for sure. I and mean, I never want to know. 
how I respond in that situation. But the reunion was great because, you know, you like watch reality TV and people are like, you know, lying and talking behind people's backs and people are like getting away with murder. But then you get to the reunion and everyone's held accountable for everything. And that's really what, you know, somebody like me, <laughs> whose chart was responding to Saturn, I want to see people have to take responsibility for things. So yeah. it's been very exciting to watch. But I will say the first part of it didn't really go in on the men having to take much responsibility. Well, that's true. And we've yet to see part two, but you yeah. said it best. You said that's because Andy Cohen, who hosts these reunions, is, you know, any cute boy that flirts with him, he kind of lets off the hook. Well, that's very true. So we said it here first. <laughs> we stand by it. And, you know, I mean, I guess on some level he has been accused of being a misogynist himself. I mean, the man did create the Real Housewives franchise. That uh, which is some could view as, you know, misogyny, veiled misogyny or even not so veiled. misogyny. Yeah. And I mean, without like going too far to the left, like there's a lot of, uh, I think, hidden misogyny or maybe not even hidden misogyny in like gay male culture. Oh, well, yeah, we could talk all about that. Yeah. But we won't. No. <laughs> um, but it's something to be aware of, you know? Yeah. And I am hoping that the men are held accountable for their actions. I You can't not interrogate Ashton for some of the shit he did. I mean, he jammed his tongue down a woman's throat multiple times and then punched a window when she made a comment that may or may not have been pointed directly at him in a derogatory way. I don't think it was necessarily, um, but I don't know. I guess you never know. I mean, we've learned now that Kate is definitely a vengeful human being. We've learned? <laughs> well, I mean, we've learned that she, how vengeful she can be. No, nah, we always I mean, she, knew. She made that man carry out a penis cake to nobody. Yeah. For those of that, for those of you listeners that like don't like, watch what are you Deck, you're like, about what are you guys talking about? Cake? This season was incredible, but there was a chef who was also, literally every man, ex the exception of Captain Lee, was a total misogynist yeah. and treated all of the women terribly. And yeah, just like they were pieces, literally side pieces. And Kate, who is the chief stewardess and who is not going to be a side piece for nobody. Um, well, she was trying to be at some. Well, she was just trying to get some because, again, yeah. you're trapped on a boat for weeks on end. Like yeah, she got bored when I went to boarding school. It was called mountain syndrome. And at the beginning of the year, you would like look around and be like, no, nah, I'm not going to have sex with anybody. And then halfway through the year, you'd be like, I'd have sex with some of these people because there was nothing else available. Oh, so did you have sex with some people? No, I never did. Oh. But I I would have. <laughs> the point is, I, I would, would have. have. Well, I hope some of them are listening because now they know what they could have had. No one's listening, honey. No one, <laughs> no one knows. Hey, Ben, uh, is there anything else you want to say about the reunion? Riley looked gorgeous. Riley looked gorgeous. And the MVP of the reunion, in my opinion, so far, is Courtney Skippon. Oh, my gosh. 100%. And was so intelligent. Yeah. She really let Brian have it. And yeah. Such an intellectual, like, was really articulate. And expounded on, like, the bigger issues. Like, talked kind of about the misogyny and the gender issues mm -hmm. that were kind of brought up on, on the boat. And was trying to spin some of her personal sadness into like medicine for the collective. So you're yeah. here, girl. And also had never looked better. Never looked better. <laughs> We're also obsessed with the fact that Riley, who's a fishing boat captain from Alaska, who came on to be the third deckhand, who is pretty incredible, but the boys all just like had trouble with her strong personality. She's got a jewelry line 
And she uses like crystals and like fossilized bones and things for her jewelry. And we just like fell down a rabbit hole looking at her jewelry (laughs) website. It was pretty outrageous. Yeah. Aren't you going to get some for Brandana? Um, They're not really her style. They're not really her style. But I just want to support Riley, you know? Of course. Yeah. Um, All righty. Well, shall we uh, dive in? Yeah. I'm ready to learn. I am too. Well, you know what they say. My therapist said this. He said, when Mm. you invoke the teacher, you become the student. Ooh, I love that. So we're invoking the teacher. We're getting in our little spaceship. We're heading Uh up into the heavens, out of our atmosphere, and into the planet closest to the sun. So get ready for this episode's Deep Dive into Outer Space. So today we're talking all about Mercury. Who's she? That is the planet that rules communication. So it's how we think and also then how we communicate outwardly, both verbally in and in writing um, and really just like our communication style. Mm. Now, I actually want to start off uh, talking about this interesting article that kind of went around the Twitter sphere this past week that was just so mercurial. And I actually, it got me thinking a lot. Um, It was basically inspired by this tweet that this guy wrote. Um, He is at Kyle Plant Emoji. And he basically wrote, fun fact, some people have an internal narrative and some don't. As in, some people's thoughts are like sentences they hear, and some people just have abstract, nonverbal thoughts and have to consciously verbalize them. And most people aren't aware of the other type of person. Uh, So he basically tweeted that out, and then that caused a bunch of people to write all these different stories about that, uh, primarily just from a place of having their minds blown because most people just assumed that everyone thought the way that they did. And it looks like the majority of people who were responding to this did have some sort of internalized monologue that was always going on or internalized dialogue that was always going on. And they just always think in words and sentences talking to themselves. I do that. I know for sure. Um, But then what happened was all these other people were coming out and saying like, oh, well, I just think sometimes in like one word and then it triggers me to do something or I think in images or I have ideas and immediately need to speak them out right away. So I just thought that was really interesting because if you are looking at it from an astrological standpoint, I think you have to then look at all the the 12 signs and that, yeah, some of them are going to have more direct verbalized dialogues going on, but some of them do lend themselves to communicating in ways that aren't word-based even. And I also think this is just funny because, you know, if you really consider that like, yeah, most of us have a really specific way of thinking And we may not even consider that 
the person across from us thinks in an entirely different way than we do. That, I think, is the beauty of astrology, is that it offers an opportunity for us to really consider how not all of us have the same style of communication. We don't all receive ideas in the same way, and we all don't entirely know how to verbalize them in the same way. Um, and obviously, you can look at even just like writers or public speakers, everyone has a style to them. But if you're just off of this like tweet and, and this meme that was going around, the idea that like even just how those words, how that style came to be, um, just the fact that some people think solely in imagery to me is so fascinating. Um, and even made me think of shamanic journeying and how when we've gone to some of your journey circles, Brandon, and like how some people will receive almost like movie-like narratives, whereas some people are just getting like patterns or a color or a sound. Um, yeah. On some level, that's even like relative to the whole mercurial nature of their being. Sure, totally. I mean, I've been in journeys a lot of times where I like hear like turn around <laughs> and then I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, okay. And then I turn around, there's like something there. So that's really interesting. And do you think that the way we communicate outwardly is a reflection of how we communicate inwardly? I think so. The way that we communicate to others is very indicative of the way we communicate to ourselves. You know, I mean, you can look at that with even just like in relationships or parent-child relationships, you know, people who are very easy to criticize others are doing so because they're internally criti criticizing themselves, um, or at least are have an ease to do so. I was curious, and I mean, before we dive into them all, and we've talked about it, obviously, but just to have this conversation in front of our audience. Oh, shit. How do you think? Um. Well, look, I'm like Mercury in Aquarius, but in the 12th house conjunct my son. So on one hand, I do have an internal narrative, but I don't have it all the time. And I think I'm best when I get into places, particularly like in nature or when I'm doing some sort of spiritual practices like breath work or deep meditation where that, where that narrative goes away, mm -hmm. you know? But then like as a writer, I think I'm most effective when I'm not filtering what wants to come through mm -hmm. and there's basically no intermediary between the narrative being connected to some sort of higher power and my just like writing it out right so it's interesting because i also do think in images and i am not one of those people that's like constantly having a conversation in my head all the time but i think when i was younger maybe i was mm -hmm. but i also think there's something about having a 12th house mercury placement that means sometimes there just are no words because the 12th house is the house of like mystery and unfinished business and like hidden loose ends and spirit. So I'm trying. I think my mind is trying to make sense of it all. My mind is trying to craft a narrative for it, but there are some times when like it's just not available. And I really like those times because I can just like be, you know? Yeah, no, me too. I mean, I have a 12th house Mercury too, so I can definitely relate to that. I think I, because I have a Mercury in Aries, it's definitely running uh, a lot. 
but uh and it's also conjunct venus so i tend to take in a lot of communication from other people and it kind of becomes my own communication in my head that's probably that 12th house too of like a little bit of lack of boundaries but i also do have those moments of just peace similar to you tend to find them either yeah when i'm in nature when I'm staring at something beautiful, you know, like art, listening to music at a concert, uh, or if I am writing. But I think on some level that is because, you know, as a 12th house Mercury, you're communicating with the divine. So there's nothing else that needs to come through. Words don't matter in that moment. But anyhow, I think it's just interesting as we go into it's a great question. I don't think anyone's yeah. ever asked me, like, how do you think? And <laughs> right? I'm like, I don't know how I think. Yeah, and I just thought it was so funny and fascinating. And, it, I mean, I recommend if uh, if people want to go on and check it out, this guy actually wrote, like, a blog about it uh, on his, uh, his blog site called Inside My Mind. And he basically wrote, today I learned that not everyone has an internal monologue and it has ruined my day. Um, because he just like, he thought everyone was walking around just like talking to themselves and like trying to figure shit out. And then when he found out some people were like, no, I'm just here like seeing colors in my head. He was like, well, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what's wrong with me? But anyhow, so, so yeah, just something for everyone out there to ponder as we go into this, you know, how do you think? Um, and I, I think an interesting conversation to have with people. But, you know, from an astrological standpoint, I think all of the signs and house placements can really give you some clues into how you think or at least can help define it, describe it. So I think what we'll do is we'll just kind of take it as we usually do. Um, we'll kind of take it through the signs slash houses and just give a little overview of, of everything. But since it's a Mercury retrograde episode, should we start mm. with the 12th house and, and Pisces and then work our way back oh, to the beginning? Girl, you fucking me up, but sure, let's oh, do it. Oh, shit. Yeah, I like that. Welcome to your retrograde. <laughs> yeah, and we will touch on a little bit of retrograde. We want to do an episode that really like talks more deeply about retrogrades in general um, later this year. But I think we will just touch, obviously, on the retrograde because it is about to be one. We're going to be in retrograde season when this comes out. Um, but yeah, so let's start with Mercury in Pisces or Mercury in the 12th. Uh, we just touched on it a bit since Brandon and I both have that Mercury in the 12th placement. Um, but yeah, Mercury in Pisces is, well, you know, as, again, if it's Mercury is how I think, you know, how I communicate Pisces is through spirit, through nonverbal, you know? So it's like, I communicate through the unknown. I communicate through mystery. I communicate through art, through beauty, through spirit. So I think if you have a Mercury in Pisces, on some level, you can easily very wander in thought. You know, that doesn't mean that you don't think in words or don't have a relationship with words. But because Pisces can be a very sort of ethereal space to live in, you know, Pisces wants to plunge to the depths. It's water. It's emotional. So it can give you a very emotional and even sensitive mentality you know, we've talked about too, I, I made a brief little joke about, you know, having no boundaries in the 12th house. And that's because the 12th house in Pisces 
sometimes has an issue with creating boundaries around themselves. You know, they're, they can be very expansive and just kind of lose themselves to, you know, the great unknown. And so when you put that into a body, into a room with other people, you can very easily lose your thoughts and other people's thoughts um, or maybe even find it hard to collect your thoughts. Um, but because Pisces is also connected to cosmic consciousness, you can also really beautifully download these amazing cosmic truths like Mercury and Pisces, like there's a poet in you, you know, you may not entirely articulate it in a way that, you know, seems quote unquote normal, but there's going to be a beauty to it. And you may find yourself connecting to these greater truths and ideas that seem outside of yourself, um, but ultimately can really touch people in beautiful ways. And this retrograde is happening with Mercury and Pisces. Yeah. I mean, that's the bulk of it. It's, you know, it's got two degrees of Aquarius at the back end, but this is mostly a Pisces retrograde. Mm -hmm. So do you think that what you've just said kind of applies to everybody in this next little chunk of time? Like everybody might be exploring their own, you know, mind through these deeper spiritual principles or partnering with the unknown or, I don't know. I feel like this is a good time just to kind of talk about the retrograde. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. And I think, look, the Mercury retrograde is a time to slow down. You know, we always use those re words, re words, you know, review, renew, Mm -hmm. reconsider, restore, rewrite. (laughs) So reply, reply. Oh, I like that. Uh, so yeah, so I think resign, (laughs) re-engage. Yeah. So this is that time to do all of those things, but yeah, to slow down, reconcile, reapproach, you know, to reapproach your thinking and, you know, take a look at where Pisces falls in your chart, uh, you know, depending on what area of life that is for you, um, what house that that's going to be the highlight of it. But yeah, you you're going to want to reproach, reapproach and reconsider some things around that part of your life, you know, or it could be even broader than that. But I think ultimately what a Mercury in Pisces retrograde can help us do is slow down, get out of our heads. You know, if we do have that internalized dialogue constantly going, like how can you step out of that and access your reconsidering of something through a more divine communicative approach you know how can you honestly learn how to speak more directly to the universe the divine god whatever it is for you um you know in a in a more honest and clearer way on some level it's time to like reconsider that relationship for yourself hmm you know, like, how do you talk to God? This is an opportunity for everyone. And some people obviously don't believe in a God. So it's like, how do you talk to the mystery of all that is? Exactly. 
because we all know that that exists, regardless of whether it's some entity or some energy that's helping compel it all forward. Hell, you're a mystery. <laughs> Just you listening. Yeah, you're girl. a mystery to yourself, girl. And look, life is a mystery. Oh, wow. So many Madonna quotes. You started with one and... Everyone must stand alone, but you know... I hear you call my name <laughs> and it feels like home. See, so basically during Mercury and Pisces. Listen to a lot of Madonna. Listen to a lot of Madonna. You're going to be fine. But also like, you know, like, yeah, listen for the words between the words. Mm. You know, listen to the symbols or listen for the symbols, for the signs. And I think just truly like, Get in touch with what are those things that make you feel divine. We talked about nature. We're heading out to the desert. You know, I talked about music, concerts, poetry, art, beauty, whatever those things are for you that help solitude. you. Yeah, solitude. Like try to connect to those things during these three weeks of Mercury retrograde in Pisces. And if anything, if you just have a Mercury Pisces, solitude 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 is necessary you have to learn how to have boundaries with your mentality how to clear your head so that you can go into conversations from a clear concise place all righty i just always like to remind people that the reason mercury goes retrograde is because he's dropped something yeah so we go retrograde because there's like a clue, there's a missed opportunity, there's like a hidden gem, there's like a nugget of understanding that you didn't get the first time around. And so just be on the lookout for what that is in all of these realms that we're talking about. All right, so Mercury in Aquarius or Mercury in the 11th house. Babe, how do you start to talk about that placement? Well, I think Mercury in Aquarius slash 11th house, I mean, look, like Mercury wants to have a have a conversation with the world when it's in Aquarius or the 11th. It wants to speak far out beyond just itself. And it wants to inquire about innovation. You know, it wants to elevate others' inspiration and excitement. You know, Mercury and Aquarius, it's an air sign. So Mercury and Aquarius, you know, they can work together because of that you know Aquarius is innovative full of ideas um you know it rules you know that Aquarius you know is ruled by Uranus which is all about sudden surprise and rebellion so uh chaos so you know, on one hand, if you look at it from that way, you know, Aquarian mentalities can be a little all over the place, a little scattered. Anarchistic. A little hard to focus. Rebellious. Yes. Don't want to do things the way everyone else is telling them to. Contrarian. Quixotic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I definitely think that Mercury in Aquarius is like one of the most mercurial minds like if we use that word, right, like mm -hmm. changeable, you know, I think as somebody with a Mercury in Aquarius, like I can change my mind very easily. Like the more information I get, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right, actually. You know, right. like I don't hold too tightly to beliefs just to be right. Like if somebody proves me wrong, I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, no, you're right. Let's let's go there. Yes, but I would say 
and this isn't just about you. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> but if they don't feel like they've been proven right, then they are very quick to a fight and will maintain that fight. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, because they are, you know, out here fighting for the collective. You know, like they don't want to see anyone um, taken advantage of, including themselves. And at the end of the day, too, we have to remember that, like, you know, the opposing side, the other side of the coin is Leo. So, you know, I always joke that, like, an Aquarian mentality is, like, someone who, you know, wants you to, like, see the wonderful thing that was done for everyone, but they want you to see that they did it. <laughs> yeah, like Oprah. Exactly. Like, you know who gave everybody those cars. Yeah. It wasn't like some ghost in the night. It was fucking Oprah. Yeah. It's like, yay, everybody. Congrats. Or Ellen, who's also an Aquarius. Exactly. Y you know, like, she's giving out things, so you know that she's the one giving them out. Yeah, there's a little bit of ego in some of uh, How Aquarius. How dare you? <laughs> On the eve of my birthday, I didn't realize this was a spiritual gaze roast. There it is, ladies and gentlemen, the ego I was speaking of. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> but look, ultimately, like, can, like, move mountains to make things happen for others. And again, for like the larger collective. And I think really good public speakers. Well, that's that 11th house of like large groups, right? Mm -hmm. So even if your Mercury's not in Aquarius, but it's in the 11th house, like you're somebody that like loves to be chatting with a bunch of people. Yeah, chatting with a bunch of people. Group or if, chat, chat rooms. Yeah, or if you're a writer, like has the ability to write something that can, that can connect to a lot of people. Um, okay, so let's keep going. Mercury in the 10th or Capricorn. Uh, You're writing legal briefs. <laughs> writing those memos, girl. Yes. Typing those emails. Working nine to five. Best, Sheila. Uh, <laughs> I mean, look, ambitious AF, if Am you have that Mercury. An ambitious mind. Yeah, I mean, always thinking about the bigger picture. Where are we headed? What's the, what's what are we what are we going to get out of this? You know, like there's a yeah, there's a strong business mind there. There's a strong career oriented mind there. Um, you know, I think if you have Mercury in the 10th or Mercury in Capricorn, what you have to be aware of is the potential to be really hard on yourself and be really critical so you have to be aware of that and make sure that you're not going out of your way to beat yourself up because you didn't exactly achieve the thing in the moment you were supposed to achieve it. Yeah, well, Capricorn can be very obsessed with the future. So I mm -hmm. think the self-criticism comes from like not being where you think you should be. No, exactly. But I would just say like the words that come to mind for me in this placement are like strategic and practical. So like use what would be energy that you would turn against yourself to continue to refine your strategy and to make practical steps day by day to how you're going to get where you want to go. Yeah. As opposed to being like, well, you're not, you're not CEO yet. You suck. And to not forget that you can't do it alone. And sometimes Capricorns can be a little lone wolfy. Yeah. You know, but like, they are, no one's going to do it except me. No one's going to do it right. Except me. Oh, that tracks. And so you just have to learn how to trust others. Like ultimately Capricorns need to move toward being a badass boss, a leader. 
So you then have to learn how to delegate. So, you know, Merc a low vibe Capricorn 10th, you know, or uh, Mercury Capricorn or Mercury in the 10th is trying to manage 10 different thoughts in your head as opposed to like getting them out into the open and having others help them help you manage them if you need to, you know? Sounds like a hard position for a writer if you have Mercury and Capricorn. It can be, but unless you're writing like, you know, a thousand page book. Yeah, I was about to say, like if you're writing like War and Peace. <laughs> then you've got like you're set. the yeah, you've got the like the range. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, the range to do it. Mercury and Capricorn has got the range. All right, Mercury and Sagittarius and also her ninth house sister. Well, you all ninth houses and Sag Mercury's, you love to learn. You love a good book. You love a class. You love a teacher. You also love a laugh. <laughs> no, there you go. I hope you got a laugh out of that. I did get a laugh out of that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, look, they are the... Well, the ninth house is the house that rules knowledge, higher learning. When you have Mercury in there, yeah, you want to just like eat it all up. You know, you want to dive into subjects. You're curious, you know, really interested in understanding everything. Uh, when you have that placement and are in relationship with someone, you are the type of partner who really wants to get to the bottom of it, understand it, you know, will hold conversation until the party's over. And will we also say that like if Mercury is how we communicate and Sagittarius is like the sign of the truth teller that Mercury in Sagittarius could sometimes be like the cold, hard truth of communication. Oh, for sure. Like, I'm sorry, but like, that's just how it is. Yeah. Yeah. And wants to get to the truth, you know, not only like for others, but yeah, but for yourself. A detective mind. Yeah, totally. A sleuthy mind. And will tell the truth on your, on your ass. So honestly, if you need a, like a really good, like opinion from someone, a Mercury Sag person is a good person to ask. But if you just want someone to tell you that your haircut was a good idea, don't go to them because they might be like, girl, those bangs are not good for your face structure. Totally. All right, Mercury in the 8th or Scorpio. Secretive mind. Yeah. Obsessive mind. Now, this was actually when I was thinking about that article that I was reading, about the one I was talking about earlier. Like, I was like, oh, I'd be interested to know, like, because Mercury Scorpio placement isn't necessarily a, like, verbal one, you know? Right. Like, I think if you're thinking in, like, more of an image-based or even really, like, emotion-based place... Totally. This is the placement for it. And the eighth house is the placement. You know, it's the house that rules the subconscious. So if your mind lives in your subconscious, I mean, on some level, it's like, yeah, it's like that basement level of the library. You know, like you're the librarian who like works down there, who's just like f constantly filing things <laughs> into like your deep, dark crevices, you know? Oh, those deep, dark crevices. Oof. Also, you know what happens in the basement of the library? That's where people have sex. Yep. Sexual thoughts. Ooh, girl. Are pretty prevalent for you, Mercury Scorpio, 8th house folks. We want to know. Reach out to us, our Mercury Scorpio, Mercury 8th house people. Tell us how your mind works. Yeah, is it a sexy mind? We won't judge. We want to know. A visual sexy mind? Oh, honey. Are you just looking at everyone and seeing them in their underwear? Oh, gosh. <laughs> what a delight. And also, a little scary. 
Yeah. But look, also like doesn't suffer fools. Like whenever I see a Mercury in Scorpio placement or Mercury in the eighth, I'm like, you aren't someone who can just like go to brunch and be like, oh, let's talk about like what we watched on TV last night. Like you're like, girl, what's going on? Let's get to it. Like, you know, you don't probably want to have like 27 friends. You want to have three who you can call and be like, bitch, I'm in trouble or you're in trouble. What's up? Like wants to have really deep, intense conversation, wants to, you know, really understand people on a on a truly deep level. Beautiful. So Mercury in the seventh or Mercury in Libra, you know, there's a beauty there. There's a sweetness. Uh, you know, Mercury is uh, pretty at home in Libra. Uh, it's in another air sign. And I think ultimately with that placement too, being in the seventh house, it's like you're very interested in having very deep one-on-one -on -one conversation with people. You know, you're interested in, you're very relationship minded. I feel like people with this placement might be really good at seeing, because we're all mirrors for each other, but we don't usually see that. Mm -hmm. But I feel like somebody with Mercury in Libra or Mercury in the seventh really sees people as reflections of themselves and vice versa. Totally. Like there's a really beautiful mirroring that happens where it's like, oh, right, I'm like that. Or, or oh, wow, like you're like me in that way. Yeah. When I And I'm glad you brought that up because I think the challenge with the Mercury Libra, Mercury 7th, is to think of yourself through the other person. And by that, I mean it can be easy to take another's impression of you and make it your own. Oh, so there might be a challenge in self-validating. Exactly. Yikes. And so if you're in a toxic relationship with someone who's constantly feeding you like negative statements about yourself you may more easily you know you might be more susceptible to actually like in taking those and thinking them as your own got it so another sign like the mercury and pisces that needs to work a little extra hard to create those boundaries exactly um and don't be manipulative honey mm-hmm <laughs> but honestly like a very but ultimately like on the high vibe like beautiful caring like i'm here for you a good friend yeah and a mind that's like fair and just mm -hmm. and like impartial and balanced totally a mind that sees all sides yeah again another good person to like ask an opinion of when probably you're a better a person quandary. Because they'll, the, they'll give you the truth, but they'll like wrap it in some like gorgeous silk chiffon. Totally. All right. Our Mercury's in Virgo's sixth house. Uh, well, look, Mercury in Virgo can be a little chatty. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Mercury is one of those Virgo rulers. Mm -hmm. uh, so very analytical, you know, very detail oriented. That's just that Virgo nature. But we can think Mercury's pretty at home in Virgo, pretty at home mm -hmm. in the sixth house, does well there. Yeah. Totally. Um, so you can be the the one that everyone counts on, you know, like if if I am going to throw an event and I'm building a team to help do that event, I want a Mercury and Virgo on my team because they're the one who is going to on the day of know where everything is, be able to tell everyone what's going on and do it in a really orderly fashion because they're also very maternal, they're healers, you know, so they're also doing it in a way that like takes care of everyone too. Got it. 
Um, but I think, you know, the challenge with that uh, placement is that you can sometimes turn it on yourself and be, again, similar to like how we were talking about Capricorn, get hypercritical. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a soft, cushy sign. So, you know, you have to work really hard. I'm like feeding yourself because, again, it's Mercury ruled, feeding yourself really positive thoughts. Mm. You know, like how we talked about in the beginning, you know, how you talk to others is how you talk to yourself. So that Virgo mind has to really be extra careful about how they're talking to themselves. And I think really good to find moments of peace, of solitude, meditation, super, super important for those folks. Or yoga, something physical, I think. Like Mm, get into the body, right? Like the mind can be hyperactive. It can run away with you. Like get back into your body, get to your breath. Yeah. All right, Mercury Leo or the fifth house. So only thinking about themselves. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, you're not wrong. I see my shadow. You're not wrong. Yeah, I mean, look, you're, yeah, if it's how you think about it, if, that, if it's how you think, how your communication style is, it is, yeah, being filtered through this, like, well, me first mentality, you know, but there's a creativity, there's a playfulness, there's a fun there. Totally. It's a playful mind, a really, like, imaginative mind. Totally, like joy, you know, like, in a way, like, it's the perfect placement for, like, a kindergarten teacher. Oh, I love that. You know, because they get to be the star of the show, you know, they're up there on a stage, and like filtering everything through, but they're also like imbuing everything and everyone in the room with a sense of play, of joy, of wonder, of fun. Yeah. You know, so I think that's really important uh, to understand, to, to cultivate that when you have a fifth house Mercury or Mercury Leo is to make sure that you're always feeding your mind with like creativity and with fun. Uh, but of course, yeah, the, the flip side of it is just to make sure that you're not coming across as a little egocentric as like your fun is the only version of fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's the Leo challenge is Leo for me. High vibe is all about the heart. Mm-hmm. So if it's high vibe, it's the heart mind connection and the low vibe, it's like the ego mind connection. Yeah, totally. And interesting to think that like, right, like Virgo's mind body Mm-hmm. And Leo's mind heart. Yeah, yeah. And Cancer is mind soul. Mm. So let's just move into Mercury and Cancer, fourth house. Yes, Mercury and Cancer, fourth house. I love that mind soul. Um, you know, the in a way, I always, it's interesting you said that because I always kind of look at the fourth house as like, and I steal this from the writer Gary Zukoff, but the seat of the soul is that fourth house, you know, it's that foundation spot. Um, You know, it is kind of where we go to rest. And so to have Mercury there, you know, it, there's a real sensitive nature to your mind, you know, I mean, there is an emotional component to all the thoughts, you know, we didn't use the word drama when we were talking about Leo, But I could also use it for cancer because there can be a little bit of drama when it comes to a cancer mentality. You know, they take can potentially take everything a little too personally. The sky is falling sort of situation. Yeah, exactly. Um, And because, yeah, the fourth house element of it, too, it's like, you know, I think through my home, you know. So on some level, it's like. I would even say, like, my home surroundings affect my mind. Or like what we were talking about last episode with your altars Mm -hmm. as a place to reflect back to you, like, what your beliefs and what your work is. 
mm-hmm. be very important for these fourth house Mercury people or Cancer Mercurians to have that. Yeah, to have some sort of like physical expressions of what's important to them. Um, yeah, that they can like mirror to themselves in some way. All right. Well, how are we going to talk about Mercury and Gemini? We could just talk over each other. Oh my gosh. We could just start <laughs> talking and never stop talking. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's the, the thing placement. I want to say that's about Mercury and Gemini is just, mm. oh no, I was just doing that thing where we talk over each other. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did it right. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, look, they are the chattiest Kathy at the table. Uh, I was at a party recently with a Gemini friend and um, I always joke to him. I'm like, God, you are like the quintessential Gemini. You must have every planet in Gemini. Um, but yeah, he was just working the room, bouncing from table to table, having conversations with everybody. And I think what's good about Geminis is that they dive into to a space and they find out what everyone, what's on everyone's mind in that moment. And they just ease right into it. You know, whereas like, you know, a, a mercury cancer might you know, sit down at a table and kind of just want to like be quiet and sort of watch what everyone else is talking about, get comfortable in the conversation before they dive in. Mercury Gemini is like, what are we talking about? Oh my God, I just read an amazing book about that. And then just like has something to go off on, you know? One of my close friends is a Gemini and I'm pretty sure she has Mercury and Gemini. And we were flying back from New Orleans together and we were sitting across the aisle from each other. And that's like a four and a half, maybe five hour flight. And we talked literally non-stop <laughs> for the whole flight, which is all I ever want also yeah. as an air sign. And at some point, a girl sitting behind us was like, can you guys please stop talking? Oh, man. And we did not stop talking. Well, why would you? I mean, that's only... Especially for your Mercury and Aquarius, you're like, how do you? I was just, I mean, I think maybe she like asked us like talk more quietly. Oh my gosh. We did what we could, but then we were also like, girl, like we're almost, we're almost home. Like you're just going to have to deal with it. Yeah. You're like, we are two air signs on a plane. (laughs) Who have just come from like a long bachelorette weekend and we have a lot to say. Exactly. And we didn't. It was a hoot. That's funny. Uh, well, yeah, man. So yeah, that Mercury in the third house, I mean, it's at home there. So it is just like thinking, communicating, writing, you know, I think if you have a Mercury in the third house, like, you know, check all your other placements, but there's definitely like a natural writer element there, you know, just someone who wants to be at home in communication and highly values it. But even more so in speaking, when we come to value Mercury in the second house or Mercury in Taurus, really values communication um, and on some level places their self-worth on their relationship with their mind, their relationship with communication. Uh, You know, so another placement I keep, I I feel like, you know, now that we've made it to the try to the trio of the earth signs, you can see like how important it is for earth signs to be really, really, good to themselves on a mental level. Well, it makes sense, though, because if we're thinking about Mercury as communication, that's all connected to the element of air. Mm-hmm. And air does not do that well in Earth. <laughs> exactly. They're very separate. You know, Earth and air are probably like the furthest away from each other. I mean, fire and water have their own situation going on. Yeah. But Earth and air, it's like, think about the Earth and then think about the atmosphere. Like, they're yeah. so far from each other. So when Mercury is so far from where he feels at home in the Earth, you know, there's a lot of work to be done there to kind of ground him. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I think since it's Taurus, it's ruled by Venus. It's it's a softer energy, so I think you know it's probably like like your second challenging placement. You know, Mercury is fine with Virgo. It knows how to do it. It can just be again the overcriticalness, the overcritical nature. Mercury and Capricorn is like Saturn, so it's like shut up, you know, <laughs> like just get back to work. Uh, so Mercury and Taurus can, you know, definitely have its challenges, but. You know, and that really comes from, I mean, the nature we all know of Taurus, which is stubborn. There can be a real stubborn mentality there, you know, hard to change your mind about things, um, you know, getting settled in ideas. Um, but also because it's Venusian, there is a real love for, you know, again, like art and creativity. So, you know, you can also approach things from a very artistic level when you have that Mercury in Taurus or the second house. Um, you know, because Taurus and the second house are also really concerned with money, um, you know, you have to be careful not to get too obsessive about money or where your money's going to come from, or how much money something or someone can bring you. Uh, but I think ultimately there is like, there is a really good coherence between the two of them. If you approach it from that more high vibe place. And another quick thing about Taurus, because it rules the throat, is that really beautiful speaking voices or singing voices. Or sexy, yeah, sultry voices. Those throaty voices. I wonder if Kathleen Turner has a Mercury in Taurus. Or Countess Luann. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I mean, she's a Taurus through and through. Uh, but yeah, I think that's always something, too, to pay attention to. And we should just tell people, you know, Mercury travels pretty close to the sun. So right. I believe, like, Mercury's only ever going to be, like, two signs away from your sun at mm -hmm. most. Yeah. So, uh, and I guess I'm curious, like, what do you make of people that have Mercury conjunct the sun? Because that's not uh, common per se, but, you know, it happens a lot, you know, when Mercury and the sun are traveling together. What does that signify for people? I just think it means that their voice is very closely in touch with their expression of self, you know, like their relationship with their voice is something that uh, is just very integral to who they are as a as a person you know and you mean their voice like they're a singer i mean they're it can be that i think it, it they could be you know they could be a talking head on twitter you know who has randomly fifteen thousand followers but you know works at a verizon center Got you it. know but their voice is somehow just like plugged in to who they are it, it's part of their identity for themselves and could we substitute instead of voice like their point of view yeah that's a great way of doing it yeah their point of view i think that's a more accessible way of saying it i was just asking for a friend <laughs> but yeah i think their point of view is very tied into who they are would that be true for your friend uh yeah <laughs> i think so and lastly which I know every Aries listening is like, lastly, yeah, exactly. what are you talking about? But yeah, Mercury and Aries or Mercury in the first house. Well, Mercury and Aries, as I said, that's what I have, but mine's 12th house. So we're like upside down. Uh, but yeah, Mercury Aries is like quick Mind to Mind on fire. <laughs> yeah. Just like quick to ideas, 
quick to communicate them, can probably, you know, has put their foot in their mouth far too many times, uh, you know, but gets really excited about something, you know, has an idea and just wants to spout it out. Uh, you know, there's a childlike nature to an Aries because they are that first sign. So there can be somewhat of like a naive nature at times to what they say. But at the same time, they can spout out an idea that at first everyone's like, that's ridiculous. And then it ends up being like a multi-million idea. They might just not be able to take it to the finish line. They might be the person who's like been the genesis of the idea. And then they need all the like, you know, the earth sign Mercury's to come in and like actually do the work. Um but, you know, there is, again, yeah, like a real passion to that placement. Um, and on some level, too, you know, because it's that first house energy and that first house is like just our self-expression, like they express through words, you know. So, again, like a performer, a public speaker, writer, you know, things of that nature, like they have to express outwardly through their thoughts in some way. And this also feels like a quick mind to me, you know, like For doesn't sure. like spend too much time on anything. So even if like there's a like dark corner of the mind or a little like pothole, it's not like going to stay too long there. No, I mean, it's like it's already moving on. Yeah. And definitely like, you know, very witty, clever. Um, you know, I think the challenge with that Mercury Aries is to, you know, not veer into self-absorption that like getting caught up in their idea to the point that they can't see beyond only what they've been able to create. So learning to play well with others is very important and integrate others' ideas into their own. So I just want to ask you the same question you asked me at the start of this, which is how does your mind work? Uh, to be honest, my mind works on multiple levels. Oh, <laughs> For the most part, it is a lot of dialogue. I I think that Aries is constantly going, look at this. What's that? What is this? You know, it's like that Nightmare Before Christmas song. Um, what's this? What's this? <laughs> you know, uh, but I think the 12th house element of it, too, also, like, takes me into landscapes and pictures and... And especially when I'm either writing or when I'm here communicating astrology to you all or in a reading, like my mind just kind of takes a back seat. And, you know, part of that comes from like the meditations I do before those where I kind of just like open a channel to cosmic consciousness at the crown of my head and say, all right, I'm here, I'm open, like flow through me. And I'm not really thinking very much, um, which I think the Aries part shows it at times because I probably sound a little foolish at times, <laughs> just my tone. But uh, but you also sound really wise sometimes too. Well, thanks, baby. So yeah, I think that's how I that's how I think. You know, the fool, which we could think of. You know, it's not technically connected to Aries in the you know the tarot, but the tarot card, right. the fool is really about like connection to that universal consciousness and not judging or filtering and really being open and available. And so, you know, in order to be wise, you have to take the risk that you're going to be foolish. Um, well, before we get off the tracks and have the longest episode of all time, well, let's get into uh, the tarot card for 
uh, the next two weeks. We Let's can, do it. We can kind of consider this our like Mercury retrograde medicine card. Oh, that's a good one to have. Um, unless, you know, you're listening to this episode at some time in the future, in which case this is just the message for you right now. But just take a moment. Let's all kind of tune in. Connect to the cards just by hearing me shuffle them. And of course, you can use this moment to ask the cards, the spirit of the cards, to give you the information or the clarity that you're seeking about a specific issue or a particular realm of your life. Just taking this opportunity to touch something deeper. Feel how we're all connected here. Can I pull the card? Of course you can, my little Mercury-Venus conjunct in Aries in the 12th. So Angel pulled the Emperor for us, everybody. Oh, shoot. Which is the card that connects to Aries and the Zodiac. You know, the Emperor is like true father. That is the archetype that the Emperor represents. And that doesn't mean that you have to have a penis. It just means that you're in touch with your big daddy energy. And so when we pull the Emperor, it's an opportunity to be the big daddy in our lives, which means that we take up space. And we own ourselves and we own our authenticity and we own our empire. I think one of the best examples of the emperor isn't a person, but it's like a big, beautiful oak tree. Or think of like, is it the redwoods or the sequoias? What's up north? The redwoods. The redwoods. I mean, think about those trees, you know, the way that they live their authentic life benefits everybody. They produce oxygen. They're beautiful. The roots are nourishing other animals. It's like when you do your thing without apology, you are living emperor vibes and you're actually helping the world around you. Now, of course, the emperor has low vibe and high vibe. And sometimes the emperor shows up to show that like, oh, like you're being a little controlling or you're like not taking other people into consideration. But for me, when I see the emperor, I really just feel like it's your time to own yourself completely. And that means owning the sort of mind that you have, owning your shadow, owning your fears. Everything that's part of you is worthy of love, is worthy of attention. And the emperor knows that because they have that sense of like, yeah, I'm kind of the shit, even my fears, even my darkness, even my criticisms have something to teach me, have something of value. And we can even think about like, you know, artists or writers, they mind their own depths and they willingly share it with us and they own it. So to take a cue from Lisa Rinna's handbook here, whatever you're doing in these next two weeks, just own it, honey. If you're a hot mess, own it. If you're inspired, own it. If you're heartbroken, own it. If you're lost, own it. If you're, you know, winning, own it. Twinning, own it. Sinning, own it. Um, but I think the human experience is such that we are all to different levels insecure and we compare ourselves with others and we seek validation from other people. And when the emperor shows up, it's saying like, you don't have to prove yourself to anybody. All you have to do is like stand and shine and make sure that you are really fully embodying everything that you are and the rest will go from there. I sometimes think about that quote, like I would rather fail as myself than succeed as anybody else. Mm, yeah. I love that quote, but that doesn't even apply to the emperor. Cause it's like, if you are being yourself, like you're going to succeed. All right, my loves, I hope this has been mentally stimulating. 
<laughs> I mean, what what rules a podcast more than Mercury, right? True that. I mean, girl. So as always, we fucking love you, Gazers. Thank you so much for showing up and tuning in. Um, we can't wait to connect with you more deeply in these um, webinars and Tarot and Cosmos. Yeah, it's so exciting. And, you know, we've got the retreat that we're starting to put together for September. Please leave us a review. If you have not left us a review, it means the world. Even if it's just two sentences, it doesn't have to be a novel, but it also can be. Yeah, we need some new 2020 reviews and we'll read them on the air. Yes, girl. Rate us five stars. Share us with your friends. Share us with your enemies. Share us with your coworker that you think is into astrology, but you're not really sure. And you could just like drop it as a hint and see what she says. Remember, you can always find us on Instagram at The Spiritual Gaze or on Twitter at Spiritual Gaze. You can find us on Facebook at The Spiritual Gaze. Or now you can just go to our lovely website at thespiritualgaze.com. And you'll find everything you need right at your fingertips. Heck yeah, including pictures of us and Noche. There's a whole about Noche page. It's my favorite. (laughs) All right. Until next time, babies. This has been your transit through The Spiritual Gaze.